0: I'm very well. Thank you for inviting Thanks very much for that question, uh, Salvatore. So Newland Global Group, it's an advisory firm, and our focus is primarily on two things, simplifying and strengthening trade and investment ties between Australia and India. Uh, We do this uh, through our advisory work where we help organizations, we handhold them and tell them which uh, uh, partners will really help them in uh, in India, what sort of, uh, you know, uh, pre-homework they need to do, which sort of industry sector will work for them when they're looking for right partnerships, uh, alignments, joint ventures uh, across different sectors, primarily our key focus areas uh, currently are mining, manufacturing, as well as pharmaceuticals and the health sector, uh, along with uh, sports, uh, Apart from the corporate advisory work, a key component of our work uh, is also uh, giving people the right insights about changing India, the new India, and uh, also telling them that they, you know, businesses, because corporate Australia has had uh, a very limited connection with uh, India's growth story. Uh, So one focus of our work is that how do we really change the narrative or bring a new narrative where people know what's really happening in India, how India is changing, growing, what sort of economic growth story is happening? uh, What sort of uh, new schemes, new initiatives have come up? uh, uh, So, Going beyond the anecdotal assumptions and prejudiced generalizations and focusing more on real facts and uh uh let's not also forget that, you know, uh, South Asian economies, and especially economies like India, uh, they're very dynamic in nature. So any information which is, uh, uh, you know, an year old is largely very outdated information. So the pace and the breadth and the length, uh, you know, uh, has to be very yeah. dynamic, you have to be very up to date with information, especially when you are engaging with organizations. So for that purpose, uh, we do uh, a lot of write ups across different global think tanks. Uh, uh, we are regularly published uh, in, in many of these the, uh, newspapers here as well as in India. Uh, also, we have Australia-India conversations where we aim uh, towards engaging the key stakeholders uh, across both geographies and bring them on the same platform and speak to them, uh, their experiences, what has worked for them, what has not worked for them, uh, what sort of challenges they have faced when they entered the Indian market and what sort of uh, uh, messages they would like to give uh, to their uh, peer group. So that's the part of the Australia-India conversations and especially after covid our focus uh, now has taken to Australia and their webinars and. We have done some great webinars on supply chain initiatives, on pharmaceutical and biotechnology sector, uh, on uh, critical minerals because that's one sector which is so uh, important between Australia and India, especially uh, at a time when uh, uh, both the economies are looking towards uh, you know, building their uh, technology space, uh, their uh, advanced manufacturing, defense uh, uh, space. And now these are areas where you need critical minerals. Uh, uh, Australia has in fact identified uh, critical minerals. We'll come to that also. But uh, going back to NGGs work, Newland Global Groups work, Australia India conversations, uh, consulting organizations telling them what really would work for them. And it, it was only yesterday when we came out with the NGG Marketplace. Now this is one of its kind initiative in this space uh, uh, where we are going. We are featuring the top opportunities between Australia and India uh, uh, on this marketplace, and where investors and uh, uh people who want to engage with this opportunity can come sign up and see for themselves that what india has to offer or what australia has to offer and how uh, you know they can connect so uh the whole idea is to be innovative learn constantly uh, bring in information let people engage talk communicate collaborate and be consistent because uh, that's something which i feel uh, 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 you know has to be a benchmark of australia india bilateral ties salvador. Well, uh, this is something which uh, I'll be going back to my employer and asking them because this never... Uh, so <laughs> this is something, <laughs> so, uh, this is something uh, which is not my domain. I never chose the name. So yes, but I, I, can, I can say Salvatore for, for definite uh, for definite reasons that we are on our way to create a new story in the Australia-India bilateral ties and Newland is already doing that. So if I can pick that word. <laughs> Well, uh, glad you asked that question because pharmaceutical is is, is such an uh, interesting space between Australia and India. And our focus is that how we really bring in the biotech skills uh, and uh, the research and development uh, expertise of Australia and match it up with the pharmaceutical space and the pharmaceutical expertise of uh, the Indian market. Now, how this will happen is something, you know, which only time will tell, but currently w- what's happening in this space is of course, uh, uh, there's a lot of work happening in uh, uh in and around covid vaccination in fact uh, one of uh, uh, i cannot divulge much on this but uh one of the projects uh, which uh, we've been engaging is already uh, around uh, tablets uh, to tackle covid uh, which uh, is, uh, uh, is is a part of a consortium with uh, uh, acclaimed institutions in india and along with uh, 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 a science agency here in in Australia. So a lot of work happening in this space, but we need to understand what is it that we need and what Australia is capable of giving to India and what India really needs. Now, if you look at Australia, 90% of the medicines are being imported currently, you know, and most of them are coming uh, from the European markets and from the United States. Uh, uh, The share of India is, is still very, very limited. Uh, if you look at India, it's called the pharmacy of the world. We have, uh, uh, you know, we have, we have read enough about India's uh, pharmaceutical uh, uh, potential. Possibly also after after the vaccine diplomacy that started off uh, and. Uh, 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 10,000 manufacturing facilities, around 3,000 pharma companies uh, uh, that that tells you a story about what India is capable of. So I would say that when it comes to when you ask me about this question on pharmaceutical opportunities between the both countries, can we really build up a supply chain lineup? Uh, You know, have a more supply chain approach rather than actually looking at it from a trade perspective, what I can give you a buyer seller relationship, you buy and I sell. Rather, you know, joining in the two economies in crucial sectors where, uh, scenarios where where you're afraid that, you know, uh, if if a crisis like COVID happens, what I'm going to do, where will I get medicines from, never comes back. So that's an advantage. And seeing the current state of Australia and India ties it's, it's at a different level altogether uh, and there's there's tremendous potential and opportunities uh, for uh, both the economies to work uh, you know in, in, in key sectors in pharmaceuticals in fact uh, there's been a lot of focus uh, also from the government side there's, there's, a, there's there are dedicated funds uh, like the australia india strategic research fund which is primarily focused on building the research component, Uh, there are constant engagements also with the Department of Science Technology in India with CSI here. here. Uh, So uh, I would say, uh, in in terms of uh, potential, it's, it's endless. It's just that how we identify these opportunities and really be consistent with that. No, I'm not. And uh, I, I have to disappoint you there, uh, you know, because I won't even say if I'm a great sports fan because I'm really trying to pick up sports uh, uh, because of uh, you know uh, my job compulsions. Because we have, uh, you know, a, a segment called NGG Sports and we manage Allen Border. Uh, we have uh, a tie up with GSW Sports in India. So we do quite a bit of work uh, in the sports segment. So I'm still trying to pick here and there. Uh, but if, you, if, you, if you're going to, you know, it is indeed a very tough question because uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm disappointing you there. No. Right, so if, especially from the pharma sector, you know, uh, research and development is, is a struggling component for the Indian economy. Uh, if one has to give you a data, it's it, the share of uh, uh, R&D expenditure on, uh, in the Indian economy is less than 0.5%. Uh, even if you look at the universities and uh, the premier universities, the share of research component in their work is still very limited. Uh, many of uh, the challenges which uh, pharmaceutical companies today face and uh, research-led pharmaceutical companies, which are looking for uh, new, uh, you know, biosimilars, new, uh, 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 you know. Uh, uh, new uh, components which can be utilised for uh, new discoveries, which can be constantly so the churning which is required in the market is, is currently lacking in I would say uh, in in the Indian market and that's where the strengths of the Australian market comes in. Uh, when I say biotechnology and research and development, what I mean by that not just uh, uh, in biopharma but also in pharma research, uh, in in marine technology, in uh, agri technology. So the very component of bi- biotechnology it's like an umbrella which has so many sectors under it that you can just pick one and two and say that what exactly you want. Uh, specifically, what uh, if I have to give you an example, uh, you know going back to the, the marketplace uh, which yesterday we launched, uh, uh, we have listed uh, you know, quite a few opportunities there. Now one opportunity there is on uh, prostate cancer. Uh, now there's a dedicated drug uh, which has been uh, come out from uh, one of the firms uh, in Australia which they want to take to the Indian market now uh the potential of this drug is that it it uh, it takes it's it's a psa test actually it's like a psa test but it's a blood test it's not a psa test so it takes away uh it takes away the cost factor it takes away the time factor it takes away the the invasive uh, nature of psa so these are the things which currently are not uh, you know available in the indian market it's just that how do you identify the right sort of technology get the right investors because the investors in india are on a lookout for the for right set of, te- of technology they want uh, that sort of a, uh, you know, uh, that that information, that knowledge, which where uh, you know they can go and put some money and you know get that for uh, uh, the Indian market, which has which has huge scale. So that's where I see uh, the opportunity, Salojo. Well, the opportunity for co-collaboration and co-creation are tremendous, uh, you know. In in terms of uh, uh, the, the only challenge here is that how do you really uh, you know bring all the stakeholders on the same page, uh, and how do you re- really get them going? Uh, uh, because even if one tries and understand how the research allocations or grant allocations happen, there there are considerable technicalities, uh, and that's where uh, the nature of understanding comes in. You know, what's important for India might not be important for Australia, and what's important for Australia might not be important for India. So you really have to identify the right synergies there. Uh, uh the opportunity for uh you know, pharmaceutical sector or the medical uh, technic- uh, uh, med tech, medtech devices. Uh, these are uh, areas which 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 holds tremendous uh, potential for both uh, both the geographies and and the requirements are important in in in, uh, in both countries. It's not that it's only important for India; it's equally important for Australia. So uh, I would say that when you say co-create and co-collaborate, uh, it's not just about we identifying institutions. It's it's primarily about how we really take this forward and make this happen. And And for making it happen, you really have to have the businesses, the research institutions, the academic institutions, the government, all the key players all on the same page. And I see with all that has happened in the last uh, two and a half years, uh, uh, specifically post the release of the 2018 uh, India Economic Strategy, a lot of ground has been covered and there's lots to come. Uh, I would say that the wine market is primarily uh you know, uh, limited to the affluent and uh, the, the young uh, office goers right now. And uh, it, it's quite a drink for uh, the young affluent uh, females, uh, especially in uh, the metro cities. I wouldn't say it has really penetrated itself in tier one, tier uh, tier two cities. Uh, the opportunity, see, uh, another challenge is again uh, on the import duties uh, when, when you talk about wine. And uh, so you'll have to really look into a model where, uh, you know, uh, uh, You'll have to come out with with a new uh, 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 sort of Agenda that how do you really want to take yourself uh, to the Indian market? Uh, what will people identify with if, if it's just a proper export of a product to uh, another country, or will it be where you're open to you know manufacturing in India? Uh, because uh, there are enough opportunities, enough in- incentives being given uh, currently by the Indian government uh, for uh, in the manufacturing sector. They have set a target for themselves uh, across different sectors and specifically for their Make in India program where they want to take this to uh, 25% by. 2023, from 17% the share of uh, uh, manufacturing. So what I'm trying to come at is that, uh, of course, you know, you can uh, find yourself and uh, wine is uh, indeed, uh, you know, a a strong, uh, it has a strong market uh, uh, in India, but uh, again, you'll be competing with other players. So how would you really do that is something about how innovative you can get into your strategy. Uh, Australian wines currently, uh, if I'm not wrong, is, uh, you know, uh, more than 50%, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not wine. uh, only there are quite a few sticking factors uh, between uh, the comprehensive economic cooperation agreement between Australia and uh, India. And uh, uh, we did uh, both the countries did uh, a feasibility study, I think, in 2008. Uh, and uh, after which, uh, there were enough hopes that uh, the FTA would happen, and uh, somehow, because uh, of uh, change of political uh, establishments in australia it could never really come up and there are again talks that uh, fta might happen because uh, uh, india is now uh, focusing on uh, uh, aligning itself with economies where there are uh, there, there's this like mindedness uh, component now uh, the challenge with fta is that uh, uh, there are enough contentious sectors between both countries to so talk about dairy talk about agriculture uh, you know these are sectors where uh, you have to identify uh, from both the country's perspective. For India, the, the FTAs have not really worked. And when I say that, uh, uh, the, the whole trade orientation for India is primarily dependent on trade deficit. Uh, so for example, the, the FTAs which India has signed with ASEAN, with Korea, with uh, Japan, uh, the trade deficits with these countries between 2005 and 2017, so in 2005, if the trade deficit with these countries were around $8 billion, it actually jumped to $80 billion in 2017. Now, out of oh, wow. this, 60% of the trade deficit is uh, with China alone. Now... Australia's experience with FTAs are that 70% of our trade here is actually regulated by the free trade agreements, but India's experience of FTAs are that between, uh, it's somewhere around 5 to 25%, in fact, less than 15%. So the very experience of uh, FTAs is, is very limited. Uh, most of the people uh, don't use FTAs the way it should have been. So there's a very limited capacity utilization of FTAs, which also has led to lower trade competitiveness uh, uh, in, in the Indian economy. But the question here is that we also need to understand that India is actually a consumption-led economy. It's not an export led economy it's trying to make itself an export led economy uh trying to uh, you know really invest in sectors where it can export and again you know pharma electronics uh, telecom these are sectors where it's really trying to uh, incentivize them through its production linked incentive schemes but uh, fta still seems uh, extremely far fetched uh, if it happens uh, uh, it will be a big boost uh, for for a variety of sectors, but it is a tightrope walk between economic gains and domestic interests. And right now it seems that India will be tilting more towards domestic interests because it would want to secure the interests of its domestic producers, especially in sectors like agriculture, which has like 60% of the population uh, in the agriculture sector. Well, uh, you know, this is a question that keeps coming back if uh, if India is going, be, going to be the next China. And I'm not very sure if India is trying to uh, be the next China. It's really trying to focus uh, on, on key sectors where it's trying to identify its true potential, trying to see that where it has the capacity and the capability to uh, really. So what sectors primarily in electronics, uh, also uh, in uh, uh, in pharma sector uh, it has come out with uh, production linked incentive schemes uh, across uh, 27 different areas uh, uh, in chemical in batteries in in cell making uh, and these are sectors where there is there's enough need for uh, uh, you know for uh, economies uh, uh, there, there, there's enough need for there's enough requirement uh, that that's being a big uh, focus Automotives, uh, because that, that that again is a big sector for uh, uh, india so uh, i would say that uh, you know uh, the the clear focus is that how do we identify sectors where uh, we uh, need to build our uh, export led potential and out of which we try and incentivize these industries, even uh, you know, companies which are coming from outside, if they want to open uh, a plant or a manufacturing facility, uh, we are happy to help them. We are happy to give them concessions and, and then take it forward from there because there's a clear cut strategy here that largely the focus of uh, uh, the government in last these years has been that uh, it's the services which has has uh, uh, you know been a, ha- had a bigger share of, of our growth story than the manufacturing. And it really wants to uh, build it up uh, so it's true also Also for for, for Australia, we have seen this with the manufacturing initiative here in Australia as well. So uh, governments on both sides are now trying to build that narrative around the manufacturing sector. That's a great question, Salvatore, because, uh, you know, uh, it's been mentioned innumerable times in all the reports, uh, be it the India Economic Strategy Report or the Australia Economic Strategy Report, that how do you really, uh, you know, treat this diaspora as a strategic resource, as a strategic asset and really, you know, bring in, uh, uh, utilize their skills, their talent, their network. Now, it's interesting because, uh, you know, uh, Indian diaspora in Australia hasn't really been uh, a compelling change maker in the Australia-India bilateral growth story. Uh, if you compare this with US, UK, Canada, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's very different uh, because they have all uh, played a very, very uh, strong role. Uh, why this has happened uh, primarily, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, there's not been there's not been much attention uh, paid to what uh, the Indian diaspora is capable of, apart from the fact that they have made huge contributions uh, to the Australian economy and technology and in, uh, in different spaces, uh, across different sectors in uh, investments, also in financial services. So you name it and uh, uh, we have seen Indian diaspora really uh, contributing a lot, but, uh, how this can be achieved is, uh, I would say that uh, uh, you really need to enable, engage, and empower them. You know, these are the three keywords which I would say that you need to understand that how this diaspora potential can be utilized to globalize your agendas in India, because they enjoy the cultural understanding, they enjoy the trans, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the transnational networks. They they understand uh, each and every state. Indian diaspora to me is actually a microcosm of India itself. You know, it's so diverse, it's so complex uh, uh, that, uh, and many a times, you know, because I keep uh, getting these queries that it's uh, you know, India is a very difficult market, and I tend to correct people all the time. It's not a difficult market; it's a diverse market, and don't treat the diversity as vulnerability. It's the virtue of Indian market, and uh, and if I have to quote, uh, you know, uh, Rama Bijapurkar, uh, she's she's one of the leading, uh, uh, you know. Um, Strategist uh, who has written quite quite a few books on cultural uh, strategy and why businesses should go beyond market and consumer focus and also focus on uh, also give much attention to culture. Uh, she writes that India is like a kaleidoscope. Every time you turn it, you get a new perspective, which is real, which is enticing. And the growth of uh, uh, India is more like is, is morphing kinds, it's more like uh, amoeba kinds. It's not like molting. It's not like uh, butterfly like uh, and. Uh, People in other countries will are separated, uh, uh, you know, uh, but uh, here uh, in India they are actually joined because of the connections, the aspirations, and uh, and everything. So it's very interesting that how we really understand the Indian market, rather than getting intimidated uh, by incredible India. It's it's better if we accept this diversity, go on with it, persevere. Uh, and 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 really identify the right key components uh, which are going to work for you and for your business, or, or for anybody who wants to enter, explore, and expand in the Indian market. Thanks very much, Salvatore. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I think uh, we can go on and on when it comes to Australia, India, there's so much to talk, uh, and especially uh, in the current scenario, if we if we see uh, there's so much of positive energy between both uh, the governments, uh, uh, businesses, and uh, also people to people. And I, and I hope to see that the diaspora specifically, which is like a living bridge between both countries, I'm going to make a strong contribution. Thanks very much.